Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. For me, all right? Like, my wife has, like, a kid in each arm, and she's vacuuming and making work calls at the same time. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to wear for the day. It's just a hot mess. So, dudes... Enough ragging on us. You are awesome for all the guys in the room. Thank you for being here today uh, as a way of just honoring dads or, or you know, the thing that we mentioned with Mother's Day is the same thing with Father's Day. Sometimes Father's Day can be mixed emotions. Yes, we're thankful for all the things that, that kids bring and, and, and making us a dad, but sometimes it is a reminder that we lost our dad or, or something that it has happened that's very painful and traumatic. And so wherever you're at today, we just want to thank you that you're here. I believe God wants to meet you here in this place. And on your way out, we have some root beer and beef jerky and all that good stuff over there. So make sure if you're a guy, even if you're not a dad, because I know what it's like when you're like 18. It's like, ooh, I love root beer and beef jerky, but I'm not a dad. So like, stupid church. <laughs> It's for you too, okay? So if you are a dude, it's all yours. Grab some stuff. It's going to be super, super fun. We're just glad you guys are here. Today, I want to talk about something uh, that I think is going to be super fun, and I titled this message called Watch Your Mouth. All right? When I say that, I think here's a picture that a lot of you probably have. I got to know, all right? I just, I have to know this. I was on the fence about this, but has everyone ever had this experience? The soap in the mouth. All right. What's it taste like? Soap. Bitter. Delightful. At least you had a clean mouth after that, right? Like, I, I, I never, this is like a little old school. Like, this is kind of like the turning of the tide of like, that was a little too cruel, like when I was growing up. But like, at the same time, like, my butt was so sore sometimes. I got, I got spanked in the worst way sometimes. And so, Dad, thank you for that. Happy Father's Day to you. I love my dad. He's awesome. He's not mean. But no, I think a lot of times when I say watch your mouth or a lot of times when I say that you kind of have this picture, like I've mentioned this before, but something that happens to me all of the time is when I'm out hanging out with people and we're having a good time. And then the question inevitably turns into like, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. Sorry. I was like, what are you sorry for? Oh, I should, I should have washed my mouth. And I'm like, no, it's all good. Like, be yourself, please. Like, I don't want you to be anything other than yourself, all right? So if you're ever with someone and you introduce me as your pastor and they like, like say, like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed, please say, like, he likes it, all right? He likes it. Swear away. It'll be fun. Watch your mouth. James chapter 3. I'm jumping ahead for a quick second. We'll go back. I know I didn't finish chapter 2 quite yet, but I'm going to do something special next week. So I'm going to jump ahead this week to go to James chapter 3. And I'm going to start with this. Verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. This ought to be the verse painted on all Bible colleges. Right? Like imagine you walk to North Central University and you see, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Like that, it's, just, it's the most encouraging thing of like, hey, you guys should all go into ministry. It's awesome. James is like, no, it's the worst. 
No, yeah, I know you want to be pastors, you want to be teachers, but don't. You know, it's, it's not great. And I, I, I think it's so, so contradictory sometimes because it's, it's like, it feels like if you were a pastor, if you do something, it's awesome, and it is. But James is so clear that you'll be judged more strictly. He says, we all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. James is basically not saying like, hey, don't become a pastor at all. What he is saying is what was happening in the early church. Jesus died and he resurrected and the whole works and the church is just starting. And all of a sudden now it's like they believe in Jesus and everybody wants to come and be a pastor. Everybody wants to be a teacher. Everybody wants to be the person at the front sharing the good stuff. And that's all great. But the reason James is saying, hold on, let's just reel it back. Let's just be a little cautionary at this point is because of what he says in verse 3. James chapter 3, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow! Encouraging words by James once again. He's so, so strict and so, so stern, like the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. He's so, so intense about this, but what I think is so interesting is how he starts. He starts with the comparison of small to large. A bit in the mouth of a horse. The, like this tiny little piece of metal really gives you complete control over a wild thousand pound animal. It talks about the, the rudder on a ship. And I kind of did a little deep dive into this this week because it was just very, very fascinating to me. Am I the only one who's like amazed that like you can have these massive cruise ships that float? Like you throw a marble in the lake and it sinks to the bottom and all of a sudden you have this, this cruise line where it's like, come have a, a water slide on here. And, a, you know, it's seven different restaurants and oh yeah, we're floating on the water. Doesn't make any sense to me. It's just so, so fascinating. But what I found super, super interesting is if you have a cruise ship here, okay, there's a something called a longitudinal area. It's basically the area from the front of the ship to the back. And there's a whole bunch of calculations that are way over my head and way above my pay grade. However, here's what I found interesting. A good standard rudder accounts for about 2% of the longitudinal area of this ship. So if you think about like the overall like material that is on this ship, the rudder of that ship only accounts for about 2% of the whole thing. Now, let's, you know, just for comparison's sake, uh, the Titanic had 1.4%. Not quite standard now. Um, I'm not going to get into why it's not standard now, um, but... I'm trying to get at the point that when the rudder is not big enough, bad things happen. There's, there's big, big ice cubes in the ocean, and I'll let you guys draw the rest of the dots there, okay? The rudder is incredibly important. Without the rudder, this boat does not do what it's intended to do. Yet such a small, small thing is what steers the whole thing. 
I think it's so interesting how James makes this comparison because he talks about it in reference to the tongue, our tongue, a very, very small part of our body, obviously, but something that is the reason that we talk. When James is talking about the tongue here, he's not referencing the actual anatomical part of your body known as the tongue. He's talking about your voice. When he's saying, he's talking about the tongue, he's talking about you saying things, the words that you say. And so what you say or what you don't say is what James is saying. Has the ability to be insanely powerful. Something I hear all the time is that they're just words. They don't mean anything. I didn't mean it. Especially when you have little kids. I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. Right? I didn't mean to call him a naughty word. Yes, you did. And I love you for it because he's kind of a jerk. I'm a pastor. Don't judge me. I'm not perfect. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Is another thing that we say all the time because what happens when you get super emotional, when you get super in the moment and something comes out of your mouth, you might not mean it in that moment, but it doesn't change the fact that it came out. And so a lot of times we are, we, we are filled with that remorse or that whatever and we're like, oh man, why did I do that again? And we were like, you know what, like I, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it, but it doesn't change the fact that it came out of our mouth. Words are powerful. And so we hear this term of taming the tongue, and we immediately go into the, the whole picture of Ralphie. Like when you hear taming the tongue, we immediately think about like, oh yeah, like we're not supposed to cuss or swear. And so here's what I'm going to do. On the screen, I have a list of the most common swear words, and we're going to rank them from best to worst. So you guys are serious for a second. That'd be awesome, right? <laughs> We all know which one would be at this end, but which one's on this end, right? There's always those, those on-the-fence words of like, is that a swear word or not? Like, we have a, a three-year-old, and he always tells us, Mom, don't say quap! So, you know, like, crap is now on that list for us in the mom household, just so everybody knows. Gotta love kids, they keep you honest, right? Words are powerful because not of the actual meaning of the word, but the intent that it carries. If you jump into the nerdy parts of linguistics, if you jump into the crazy parts of what makes up the, the English language, I think what is so interesting is that words in themselves are just words. Like if I were just to say cow, you guys immediately think of a cow, right? Like you think of a, I think of a black and white cow. Some of you might think of the farmers in the room might be like, you know, more of the brown cows, all this different things of cows. But when I, th- when I was thinking about this message and I was putting this together, for whatever reason, cow was the first thing that came to my brain. So, sorry. Cows are just what they are. You, you assign a name to this cow. Same thing with verbs, right? Like you give the action a meaning. When I say running, you think of the verb or the movement of running. So I just said cow, it doesn't mean anything. It just means it's assigned to a noun. If I say running, it's just a verb. But when you string the subject or the noun to the verb, all of a sudden now you're communicating a message. So if I said the cow is running through the pasture, now that has a meaning. You might be saying that to alert the farmer like, hey, just so you know, your cow is about to jump over the fence and is going to get out. They're just words until they communicate a message, until they do something with intent. 
which is the exact reason we can't just say they're just words. Because when you string together a sentence, when you say something either really good or really bad, it doesn't change the fact that you are now intending something with your message. And it's that intent that James is getting at right now of what is important for us to keep in mind of. Put more simply, James says this, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. It might be a small part of the body, but what this tongue, what this voice says or does not say makes all the difference in the world. It's crazy how in a moment, in a sentence, in something, you can make a huge impact. I look at it this way. We talked about the evilness of the tongue. Again, this is, I want us to break down that we're not just talking about swear words here. This, like, that, 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 quite frankly, I think this is a completely a separate topic in some regard. Because when he talks about the evilness of the tongue, he's talking about things like this. All throughout the scripture, you find these, these types of behaviors as we're supposed to steer away from. Gossip. When talking about evilness of the tongue, gossip is one of those things. This just happens, right? Like you're sitting at the hair salon, you're sitting in the bleachers of the football game, you're sitting in the garage, and you just kind of just are having casual conversation, and then this person comes up that you can't stand. And it's just so so tempting to jump onto the bandwagon of how that person is the worst, and they're terrible, and they're awful, and this gossip starts to just happen naturally. And if we're being completely vulnerable, completely honest, in some ways it kind of makes us feel a little better inside. Like we kind of like knowing something. We kind of like being in the know. We like jumping on this bandwagon, and it just happens. But what the problem with that is even a small comment, as you pass it from person to person, secrets are not a thing. Can we just admit that? Like, hey, don't tell anybody, okay? I'm going to tell you, but I'm not supposed to. My mom, I love her to death, but I cannot tell her anything secret until it just happens. Because my mom's like, hey, don't tell anybody, okay? But I got some really good stuff about Derek and Meg. Don't tell anybody. And she goes and tells this person, this person. And I love her for it. It's amazing. But secrets are not a thing. They just, they just, they naturally get out and gossip is the same way. It's amazing to me how there are times when Someone's in the community, someone in, especially in a smaller town like St. Francis, word gets around really, really fast. And the problem with gossip is there's no fact checking. There's no reason to go, hey, is this completely 100% true? So all of a sudden now you have something circulating that may or may not be true. And now other people in our community are seeing, behaving, and treating somebody differently because of what we said. Whether it's true or not. It might be one little comment, one little conversation. It didn't mean anything you might say, but that conversation caused someone else to be treated differently. It caused someone else to be put in a less than favorable situation. And that is not fair. Another thing he mentions is boasting. Boasting. Boasting involves kind of instilling this pride in us of like, man, like we're so good at this. We are devoid of needing God about this, with anything. Boasting is one of those things where we go, you know what? Like, I am so good, so strong, so amazing. I don't even need anything else, anybody else. And we start to kind of restruct ourselves in such a way that we got it all going on. And boasting can be very, very harmful as well because it makes us think that we're better than we are. 
And the problem with that is it, it, it strips us of asking for help and doing the types of things that we need to do. Boasting can cause a lot of problems. Manipulation. Some people are really good about talking their way out of things or talking themselves into things. Like, you get pulled over. Some people are really good about not getting tickets. I had no idea I was doing that, right? Like, some people are really, really good at that, and that's not always a bad thing. Just because you're a good talker and can talk away out of things does not mean you're inherently sinful. But the problem is sometimes we can manipulate our way into situations, manipulate our way out of situations. And that in itself is deceitful, and it can be wrong. It can be one of those things where I'm going to use my words to inspire an action that's more favorable to me and not to somebody else. It can be hurtful to somebody else. And then I think probably the most universal one, if I were to be completely honest, is lying. Lying. You can distort the truth any which way you want. A white lie, a big lie, a stone cold, just completely, complete lie. The problem with lying is that it changes the outcomes. It changes the perceptions of things in a way that's not honest and not true. When you lie, when a decision is made or when you, you proceed forward as if you have this understanding of one thing and it's completely wrong. And lying is one of those things that can go down and down and down and down and down. There are an infinite number of situations which you can probably understand that the tongue gets into trouble a lot. A lot, a lot. And as I love, we're going to read here in a second, it's not, it's not just one group of people. It's not just one sect of people. It's everybody. It's everybody. Pastors, teachers, people, it doesn't matter. Our tongues can get us into trouble. And it proves what James is saying is that words are powerful. And if you don't believe me, let's try this out. Have you ever been told something or labeled as something, even if it was decades ago that you still think about to this day? There are things that were spoken over me that I'm not going to share from the pulpit right now, but somebody said something to me that I think about all the time. Just for example, some other examples that might be, you're going to be a failure. You are a liar. You're a cheater. You're never going to amount to anything. I never wish I knew you. I never wish you were in my life. These words that might have been spoken decades ago are things that we still think about decades later, right? Even if someone comes back and says, hey, I didn't mean that. I'm super sorry. I messed up. It doesn't matter because those words, even if the situation's been smoothed over and forgiven, those words don't just go away. Those words have power. They stick. They're real. And I would bet a lot of money that the reason we still mull over it is because we've never been able to fully shake it off. In the moment, it hurt. It stung. And it hasn't fully healed. Because they're not just words. They're power. And James gets into that in verse 7. This last little chunk of scripture here. Verse 7 All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. 
Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What I love about James more than anything else is that he's real. He is just honest. He says, no human being can tame the tongue. I'm pretty sure James is classifying himself as a human being in this case. Just just going to go out on a limb here. And so he is basically saying, present company included, nobody in the world can possibly tame the tongue. Nobody can just completely master the tongue to where they never say something they shouldn't. They never utter something that they shouldn't. It doesn't matter. We're all going to fail, which is just super encouraging, right? Like, hey, it's impossible. It can't be done. But the pastor himself, the person writing this letter, remember James was this church leader. He was the head honcho. He was the guy that was leading the church. And he himself is saying, nobody can do this. It's impossible. We can, we can tame horses. We can take animals and we can use them for our good. But we can't possibly tame the own tongue in our mouth. It's fascinating because it hasn't changed a whole lot, right? This wasn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. I think it's all the more difficult now in 2022 when things are so divisive, things are so red hot. You can't do anything without getting into an argument. It's all the more difficult to, quote, tame the tongue. I think here's the biggest stinger of it all. The pastor acknowledges the hypocrisy in people who love Jesus of with the same mouth that we sit here and say, God, you're so good. God, I love you. God, you're awesome. Is the same mouth that when we get cut off on the road, we just let him have it. The same mouth that says God loves you, God forgives you, is the same mouth that we use to just absolutely bury somebody verbally. I was sitting down at a table with a, with a person a few weeks ago, and they explained how they hate going to church because it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. And James himself is, is, is saying, why? Because human beings, we, we, we thank God, we praise God, but then also we, we do things that we aren't proud of, right? For the record, this whole world's full of hypocrites. It's not just church people, all right? But he just he he calls out the elephant in the room is that you know what? It can't be both. It shouldn't be both. If we're gonna sit here and, and talk about how good God is and how awesome he is, we also gotta be very intelligent and very aware of what we're saying to other people. Because there are some people that drive us nuts. <laughs> like really, really nuts. So what in the world? do we do? If nobody can possibly train the tongue, if nobody can possibly get a handle on it, what do we do? Because let's be completely honest, if you just try and try and try and try and try and try and try to just say the right thing and do the right thing, it might work for a little bit. But when push comes to shove and that situation boils over again, stuff's still going to come out just all the more. So what do you do with it being really honest and really practical? Because it'd be one thing for me to get up here and say, just watch your mouth and it's going to be good. But that's not reality. It's not. 
So what in the world do we do? He talks about taming the tongue. I trained my own hunting dog, right? It, I, I love it. Some days it makes me want to pound my head into the wall because taming an animal is crazy, okay? It's nuts. But what I love about taming an animal, in this case, taming the tongue, is that you're not just shoving it in the corner. When I trained my hunting dog, I was like, all right, bud, I'm going to teach you how to fetch ducks for me. So you go sit over there in the corner and don't move ever. No, right? Like what you're trying to do is you're trying to tame and channel the natural instincts of that dog to do what he's created to do in such a way that you can have control. Because I'll tell you right now, even as it stands right now, if I just brought my dog out and just let him run around, he'd be just running circles around the boat like this. He'd be crazy. But what you're doing when you tame an animal is you're grabbing controlling of it. You're grabbing control of it and asserting yourself as the leader. And you're channeling that to serve and do a purpose. It talks about this in Matthew chapter 19. I think this is so, so interesting. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. There was a man who was saying, you know what? Like, I can't be good enough. He's like, I'm trying to do everything I can to be good enough. I'm trying to do everything I can to earn my way into heaven, but I still fall short. And that's when Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. If you are trying to to be perfect, if you're trying to earn your way, if you're trying to earn my love, you can keep on trying and trying and trying, but it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, you can now be good enough because of what he did. The same way with your mouth. If you try and just, just be perfect with your tongue, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You were put on this earth for a reason. You've lived through some of the things you've lived through on purpose. I'm not going to sit here and say that everything negative that's happened to you has been because God brought it to you and, and made it happen to you. But I believe that every single thing that's happened in your life is for a purpose. And what better way to talk about the goodness of God is to talk about what he's done in your life through that stuff. The enemy, Satan, would love nothing more than for us to bind our tongues and just silence them completely. If he can just sit there and go, you know what? You're a liar. You're a cheater. You said this to that person. You did that to that person. You come to church and you think you're all good, but just last night, I know what you said. I know what you did. I know what kind of just havoc you wrecked in that person's life last night, but you can sit here in this church and all of a sudden, the enemy loves to just twist and manipulate like he's so good at it and just make us feel like the worst people in the world. That shame and condemnation you feel is not always a conscience. It's the enemy trying to just bury you in your stuff, bury you and wrap you up in your sin because he knows at the very end of it, he loses. So he's trying to pull you down with him. And he will love nothing more than for us to sit in church and go, you know what? I, I, I can't control my tongue. I know when I get red hot. I know when I get angry. I just say things I probably shouldn't. So you know what? I'm going to take a vow of silence. Sometimes that would be nice. Like if, I, if my kids took a vow of silence, I would be pumped. That would be like the best Father's Day gift of all time, a vow of silence by both my kids. be awesome. That's what we do though, right? Like all of a sudden we, 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 we hear this and we go, man, I really got to watch my mouth because it, it gets a little spicy sometimes. 
And so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to watch what I say. I'm just going to just not speak nearly as much. But the problem is, is that you're meant to speak. If the enemy could just, just, could just do one thing to take your tongue away, it would be a benefit to him because your words have power. For evil, but also for good. Your words can make a really big mess and cause a lot of hurt, but your words can do something awesome. Your words can be inspiring. Your words can be empowering. Your words can bind a nasty wound. Your words have power for good or for evil. Luke chapter 8 says this, After Jesus exercises a man of demons, he says this, return home and tell how much God has done for you. Use your voice. I did something cool in your life. I I, I took demons out of your life. Now go and tell what I did. He's giving him his voice. He's telling him to use his voice. You turn the page, go to Luke chapter 9, it says this. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. But check this out, verse 2. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Satan desires to silence your tongue as a result of your sin because your tongue has the power to proclaim God's grace. That's a lot of words. Let me just break that down for a second, okay? Satan desires to silence your tongue as a result of your sin because your tongue has the power to proclaim God's grace. He knows he loses. He knows he does ha- has no dog in the fight left. He knows he is done for. And so the only thing he can do is take this away. The only thing he can do is discourage us enough in such a way that we don't talk about the good things or the bad things. If he just talks about nothing, if we talk about nothing, he still wins. Because there's a lot of hurt, a lot of bad things in our world right now. But we believe in a God who can do the impossible. We believe in a God that can heal things and do new things and bring miracles. But in order for us to see God move in our world, we need to tell of what he's done. We need to use our voices, use our tongues. And what happens when we silence our tongues is the curses might not come out, but neither do the praises and the promises. We need to use our voice. Our rudder of a ship is meant to steer the boat. A rudder has no purpose if it just sits in the port the whole time. A bit in the mouth of a horse is meant to channel this thousand-pound animal that's full of power, full of purpose. Horses are amazing, beautiful creatures that can accomplish some fantastic things. And that bit is the thing that keeps them on course and keeps them doing the things they're meant to do. But if we keep the horse in the stable, it's not living out its purpose. The bit is useless if we just keep it in the stable the entire time. We need to use our voice. Watch your mouth is not just a matter of watching the bad things that come out of it. It's about reprogramming it in such a way that we use it for good. That's what James is trying to do. When you open your mouth to sing, to praise, to worship God like we do on this day, you're proclaiming truth. You're thanking him for who he is and what he's doing. 
You're proclaiming that your words have power. When you tell your story, when you tell what God's done in your life, it has power. There are going to be people in this community, everybody, that will never, ever step foot in a church because of the things that have been done to them, the things that are negative in their life. But tell, I'll tell you what, while that breaks my heart, I know the reality is that God's bigger than a building. And God desires to get a hold of their heart in such a big, deep way. And the only way they might hear about God's goodness is in a garage of your house when you talk about who he is to you. Because it's one thing when the pastor gets up and says what he does, but they, 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 that doesn't translate to them. They want to hear who God is to you, how God is personal to you, because that's what they care about. Sometimes God can seem so unattainable, so unreachable, because Satan has got a hold of their life and beaten them down in such a way that said, you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough, you're going straight down with me, buddy. But when you... Talk about how God has made a difference in your life and how God has given you grace and forgiveness. All of a sudden, it opens up the door wide open. Your words have power. Your words have power. When you audibly speak the truth found in this book over your life, over your situation, there's power. When you use your voice to honor him, to give him the praise that he needs, there's freedom, there's purpose, there's presence, there is power. So really practically, how do you do it? Because it's, it's a difficult, difficult beast. It's something that we are, always have to be perfecting and working on. But how do you tame your tongue? How do you use it for good and not for evil? I got, I got four things for you I want to fly through. The first one. Taming the tongue starts with protecting your heart. Proverbs chapter 4 says this, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. When your tongue unleashes, when your tongue does something, it's not a matter of your tongue is inherently evil. It's the fact that there's something in your heart that is broken. There's something in your heart, whether it's, you know what, when you lash out and when you just, at someone, it's not just because you have that in your tongue. It's because there's something in your heart. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's overwhelm. Whatever it is, there's something in your heart. Maybe it's hatred. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. Whatever it is. The words you use are not just there. It's something going on in your heart. And so to get a hold of our tongue, we have to be careful and do an evaluation of what's going on in our heart because that is where everything stems from. Everything you do, everything you say comes from this heart. So if we want to use our words for good and not for evil, we have to just do a little little check. How's our heart? Is it overwhelmed? Is it stressed out? Is it bitter? Because sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Sometimes you're having the best day and things are going great. And all of a sudden it takes one little trigger and you're just like, you know, just going crazy at somebody. Just me. Okay. Sometimes things are buried down deep in here that we didn't know were there. So next time when, when, thing, when crap hits the fan, sorry, I said crap. Sorry. When it hits the fan, don't beat yourself into oblivion. Ask yourself, where did this come from? 
that it starts in here. Number two, get good at saying sorry and better at awaiting forgiveness. Here's what I have learned since being married. Okay, (laughs) scary introduction. Words have power. When you say things, when you say words, they leave an impact. For good or for bad. So what happens here, if I, if I just hit these nails into this board here, I'm not that strong as wood just porous. Okay? For good or for bad, it's your choice. But when you say things, they leave, an, they leave a mark. So when you say things, let's go negative for a second. When you say things and just blurt out something that you might not mean, but it doesn't matter because you said it, what happens is you can say, I'm sorry. You can ask for forgiveness. You can pull that word back, but it doesn't change the fact that there's now a hole in here. It left a mark. You can say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. You can try and cover it up, but it doesn't, even if you were to put wood putty over the top of it, there's still a mark in here. There's still a hole here that takes a while to fill and to cover. So we have to get good at saying sorry and meaning it. If, if, if we say something wrong and our tongue just unleashes, we have to apologize and be sincere. But we also have to give that person some time to heal. Because our words leave a mark. And so I've learned not only do I have to get better at just not like saying things before I actually mean them, but at the same time, owning it and giving that person the space to process in their own time. And on the flip side, when things are going, when you leave, when you say something that's really positive, when you say something that you mean, something that God's put on your heart to to say to somebody, it leaves a mark. And so even when they go away and time goes on and they don't have you in their life to speak that truth over them anymore, it leaves a mark. We, think, we, we can think about all the labels that have been put on us decades ago that we still think about, but at the same time, I think there are things in our life that we'll never forget that someone said 10 years ago that challenge and inspire us all the time. Words have power. So get good at saying sorry and better at awaiting for forgiveness. Number three, speak life. Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, three verses into our Bible, we read this. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, and there was. God speaks, and there is life. When you say things that God's put on your heart, when you say things that are true and honorable and full of who God is, it brings life. There was a paralyzed man that someone brought to Jesus. He was completely paralyzed. Jesus said this, get up and walk. And he did. Peter was going to come out to him on the water. And Jesus speaks to him. And all of a sudden, Peter starts walking on the water. Jesus spoke and miracles happened. So speak. Use your voice. Use the things that God's put on your heart to say to something. I've gotten so much better at just saying, you know what? There's so much negative. My wife was laughing at me this week, but it was true, okay? I was talking to somebody at the DMV. I was on hold for 25 minutes. I had a phone meeting here and the most horrific elevator music on this phone. Together, you can ask our staff because they're like, what is that noise? It's terrible. And I was just ready for like the most like, how can I help you? Like that was what I was waiting for. 
And the person on the other end of the phone was just so positive and so lifelike and so, hey, how can I help you today? And it was like refreshing to my soul to no end. And so, yes, it was cheesy. And yes, my wife playfully poked fun at me. But I just say, can I just tell you, thank you for being so optimistic and positive. I didn't say, hey, just so you know, Jesus loves you. He does. But just speaking life, speaking positivity can be the very thing that puts somebody on track to experience God. Speak life. Because when you speak, God moves. And the last one is let God in. Let me give you some encouragement. You will screw up. Maybe today. Life happens. Let God in. Let him forgive you. Let him work on the indentations that have been left behind because he can fill that hole in a big way. Let God in. Let him help you. Let him into your situation. Will you pray with me this morning? Because words are powerful. And they have the power for life or for death. So Heavenly Father, today I thank you. I thank you that we serve a God. We serve you. Who understands. Lord, we can have a rap sheet that extends from this front door to Africa and back of all the things we've said, all the things we've done, all the things that we have screwed up in. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day because if we believe in you, if we say, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, would you forgive me? God, you take it all away. Lord, you, you said it as far as the east is from the west and you take it away. So God, today as we talk about this encouraging and tough message to tame the tongue, God, it is the most difficult thing to do sometimes in life is to figure out how to tame this thing. Father, I just pray for your spirit. God, I pray that we would speak life. I pray, God, that there would be relationships restored as we forgive and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I pray that as we walk out of this place, we would feel encouraged that you want to help us. You want to guide us. You want to help us use our tongue for good. And I just pray that you would do it. Jesus, for every single person in this room, I pray that they would know whatever has been spoken to them, good, bad, or ugly in life, I pray, God, that they would know that they are loved. Jesus, that you love them more than anyone else in this world possibly could. That they're forgiven. That because of what you did on the cross, it doesn't matter what they've done, what they've said. You forgive them in full. And all they have to do is ask for your forgiveness. And I pray, God, that they would know that they have purpose. No matter what they tell themselves, no matter what the enemy tries to whisper to them, the lies that he says, their life has purpose and meaning. And I pray that today, God, they would experience that to the full. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen themselves no matter what the enemy tries to whisper to them the lies that he says their life has purpose and meaning and i pray that today god they would experience that to the full we love you and we thank you in jesus name amen this has been a podcast of the bridge church have a great week stop in sunday sometime and visit 
If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.